Hi, everyone. Welcome to EDU Me, the podcast that is focusing on engaging, educating, and empowering you, the parent. Today, we have Jessica Solano with us, and she is the 2017 Teacher of the Year for the state of Florida. She is a former third grade teacher, and she is currently the teacher engagement leader with the Polk County School Districts in Florida. Welcome, Jessica. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. So could you tell me a little bit about what the teacher engagement leadership position does? Yes. Yeah, so it's it's really innovative. It's brand new to our district. We always see that we put in a lot of money and effort into recruiting teachers, but we don't do enough to keep them here. So the teacher engagement department is really focused on combining recruitment with retention strategies. So we, we really focus on new teacher support, teacher leadership, and building district culture. So as a teacher engagement leader, I oversee the office and, and the, all the programs that we do. And this is year two of this program? Yes, we have started year two. Okay. Yeah. And how is it going? So far, so good. We really have had a lot of great feedback on the teacher engagement side. Um, some of the, the programs that we have, we're getting feedback from teachers like, this is the best professional learning I've ever experienced. And I've done space camp. I've done this, you know, right. all these things. We really are focusing on building up the capacity of both our experienced teachers, our, our high-impact teachers who are, like research says, irreplaceable and combining that with our new teachers. Um, so we're not just focusing a lot of our efforts just on new teachers. We get it all the way around. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Best of luck in this new position and new department. Thanks. Um, so uh, what we wanted to talk to you today about is when you were in the classroom and you taught third grade math, which is a crucial year <laughs> as they start the state testing in third grade here in Florida. One of the things that you said in one of your blogs called Solving for Why, which I think is hilarious <laughs> because it's W-H-Y and right. not the letter Y. Mm -hmm. You said that the difference between an average teacher and an excellent teacher is passion. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that and how do you think parents' passions can also benefit schools and students? I think that's a great question. I really, and with solving for why, W-H-Y, it's focusing on why we do what we do. And it's a common message. Simon Sinek, of mm -hmm. course, start with why. Um, but I think we all, teachers come into the profession because we want to make an impact. We want to be able to, to see a difference. And unfortunately, a lot of us, myself included, get jaded along the way. Mm -hmm. And so you have to come back to that, having that passion, because I can think about the times where I've not been passionate and I haven't been my best teacher. Mm -hmm. um, not everything I teach in third grade math is something I can be passionate about, but I can have a passion for what I want to do as a teacher and the lives I want to have an impact on. So I think about that when it comes to parents, it's the same kind of thinking. If we can really make it a passion to want the best for our kids and the area of education and the doors that that will open, if we can support them in that way, even if we maybe didn't have the best educational experience, that experience that your child will have because you're passionate about it, you're modeling what that looks like to really pursue something that's challenging but worthwhile. So that brings up a really good question. I would venture to say most parents are passionate about ensuring their child has the best. But I would also argue that many parents just don't know how to provide that. The base resources are just not there. Mm -hmm. And so that is obviously what EDU Me is working towards. But there's also a foundational level that needs to be met at home and in a classroom 
And one of the um, topics that you've been talking about recently is Maslow versus Bloom's and how it integrates together. Share a little bit about what you're talking about these days. Yeah, sure. So both um, with Maslow and Bloom, they're both two major theories, especially in the world of education. Maslow being um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You have to start at the bottom with being physically safe, and then you build on having relationships and and um, your self-esteem. And at the top is self-actualization. And so really basically saying, I can't have a successful relationship with someone if I don't even feel like I have shelter or, you know, if I don't have a safe place, it's a, it's a bigger need. And so then on the other hand, the Bloom's taxonomy piece is a lot of what educators focus on as well. And that's basically pushing the rigor of what we're trying to bring to the classroom. Instead of me asking a student, what is three times four? I can instead ask, how many different ways can you come up with to get the answer of 12? You know, that's the com- same type of question, but completely different at the same time. Um, so, And well, using different um, techniques to right. to get to problem solving. Absolutely. You're, there's more ownership on your part. You sure. know, there's so many more entry points. You know, mm-hmm. I could really do one plus one plus one plus one 12 times. Right. right. And don't have to get to this point. Sure. So it, it's it's really empowering. But I can't get to that point if all the way at the bottom I'm struggling with abuse at home or I'm struggling with um with whatever's happening at home and I have these needs. So it's, we talk a lot about hitting those rigor points, but with Maslow addressing those Maslow's needs first and then going up to Bloom's is paramount. In our education system, Bloom's taxonomy is what we focus on more Mm -hmm. than anything because that's what provides our funding. Mm -hmm. That's what provides our promotional, uh, promotions for our students, um, promotions for our teachers. And so it would be very easy to bypass Maslow. Right. This is what seems like it's measurable, right? Like I can ask on a state test. These are the standards and I can ask this. I have a hard time measuring if your kid has been able to learn how to hold a conversation with another student, if they've been able to be patient, if they've been able to show empathy. And so those are things that you just don't think that you have to teach, but you do ever just like everything else you have to teach. You teach it at home and you have to teach it in the classroom. So it really starts at home mm-hmm. and that safety net that they need to feel that comfort that they need to feel to be able to be confident right. in a classroom setting, to even be able to figure out that there may be 40 ways to get to 12. Right. And we need to be okay with that. So as a third, I'm glad you brought that up. As a third grade math teacher, I'll teach math and it's the new math, the new standards. And so parents give me a lot of backlash on that. But I will go back and tell the the, the students, this is how we learned it today. But your parents, one, haven't been in third grade for a very long time. <laughs> and they probably learned it a different way. And it doesn't matter. That what matters is that you're getting to the right answer, right? right? And so that's, we on both sides, we can't be so stringent on this is how I learned it. It worked for me. But be open to ideas. If your child wants to do two and four and one and four to make three times four, then you have to let them do that and let them make mistakes and let them try different things, even though it's different than the experience that you had. Sure. Um, well, thank you for, for sharing that information A couple of other things that you have been discussing is how to handle short and long-term trauma Mm -hmm. because some of our students that are coming to school with maybe not so stable environments and haven't worked through Maslow's hierarchy yet are having trauma at home and in their lives and they're unable to focus in the classroom and it goes back to Maslow 
but how does long-term and short-term trauma affect students? Yeah, it makes a huge impact, especially when you're thinking about, well, they have teachers are thinking I have to get them ready for the test. But what if you have a kid in your class who's, whose mom is diagnosed with cancer midway through the year? This is short-term trauma, hopefully short-term, but it's something that's going to be causing a major rift in their learning. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot of research going on right now about the impact that these things have. And it can be something like divorce, but it could also be neglect. It could be abuse. It could be um, any kinds of, if your parents have been incarcerated, there's all these different factors called ACE factors, these adverse childhood experiences. And the more of these ACEs that a child experiences, the more likely they are to suffer from diseases like heart disease or even cancer, suffer 12 times more wow. likely to suffer from depression. I know. And so it's, it seems like, well, maybe, maybe they just have pick up bad habits. What they found is that the brain literally changes. When you're constantly living in panic mode, this fight or flight mode, instead of just using it when it needs to be used, um, then your brain starts to constantly live like that and make these connections. So as a teacher, if we don't take the time to engage with families and be able to check in and see what's going on, it might look like disrespectful behavior in the classroom, but it could be something major is going on at home. So I, I come from my, my um, daughter and her dad. Uh, we are divorced as well. And so when I was actually talking about this with my husband and not realizing she's in the back seat and she's thinking, oh, no, my parents are divorced. I'm going to have <laughs> cancer when I grow up. And so that's, of course, that's not the case at all. But sure. I think it's easy for us to think, well, we're not like those families. But right. you, you never, no one can plan for an illness to hit. No one can sometimes, you know, divorce is 50% of marriages. So there's, there's pieces in there that we have to just be honest with ourselves and know that is this something that I can control for my child? And if, it, if it's something that's happened, being aware of that and being able to, to kind of be proactive about thinking this is something that's going to impact my kids' education and how do I support that? Well, and I would also imagine that every student takes that trauma in a different capacity mm -hmm. and they have a different capacity to take that trauma in and hone it and figure out what to do with it. Some can manage much better than others and I, that comes with maturity and experience and lifelong coping skills, but right. it also could be something very small that can trigger it that like you said with your daughter right it just triggered and it was a, a nonchalant conversation with your husband right exactly so, but we have to teach our kids how to cope with things sure telling them how do you handle when you make a mistake on a in a big way publicly you mm -hmm. know what how do you handle when something really bad happens in your life and I don't think we think to teach our kids how to do that because we're we're busy leading lives right, and trying right. just to survive that's right. from one thing to another. Right. That is great information. So this ACE is a program that is being developed or it is a, a what do, tell me a little more about it. So um, doctors are starting to do, when you come into a clinic, if they're noticing certain types of behaviors, they might do um, try to take an ACE score. So they basically okay. try and see how many of these factors does your is your child okay. experiencing so okay. they're finding different elements like they there was a, a group of kids um who were constantly having the same type of, of diagnosis and they're saying well what's going on here mm -hmm. and so when they put it all together they saw that the more of these ace factors that they had the more likely they were to have these types of results so it's an evaluation process correct ah, mm -hmm. very cool yeah well Yes. Interesting. It's good, it's, it's it's good interesting. to know that. It's, yeah. it's not just a kid giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time. So a couple more things before we go. 
What advice can you offer to parents to provide a positive experience and environment in their homes and in their schools? Because both are necessary for a happy child Mm -hmm. and a productive child and a successful child. Whatever their success desires are, whatever their professional desires are. So what's something positive that parents can be doing? Well, I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is that your child's experience, how they're growing up, their education out of out of school experience is different than yours and it's okay. Um, we try to a lot of times make them have the same experience or try to fit the mold that we wanted them to, to go through and we have to be okay with understanding they might not fit into that mold. Um, there's a lot of talk around growth mindset. I would definitely look more into that. With a growth mindset, you believe that mistakes help you learn. And so a lot of times we talk about, oh, right, you know, make mistakes and, and do that. But then we don't really set up an environment that allows them to make mistakes. So it's to, a difference between a learning zone and a performance zone. In a learning zone, it's a very low stakes environment. Mm-hmm. If your child um, is working towards a goal, but the goal is something that is very high stakes, they're not going to be given the opportunity really, truly to make mistakes. Right. Um, so that's a big piece of it. Also, when you consider about praising your children, praise them for something they can actually control like effort. I love how much you worked on that. I love Mm -hmm. how you tried four different strategies before you settled on an answer. What you don't want to say is you're so smart. Because I can't be more smart at something, you know? (laughs) Right. And so there's there's a whole bunch of research around that, that it's actually really detrimental to tell that to your kids Mm -hmm. instead of something that they can control. Mm -hmm. Um, So that that would be definitely a huge piece there. And then just being also being able to be really honest with your kids. Um, In the book, uh, it's either Mindset or Grit. They're both really great books. They talk about um, a child who's trying out for a football team and he doesn't make it. And instead of what a lot of parents do, and I know I would be guilty of thinking the same thing, oh, that coach just doesn't like you, and you, you're just, we're going to try for the next team. Instead saying, you're not good enough yet. Right. We need to practice, and when you're good enough, you will make it. Right. But and when you set up that kind of environment and conversations in your home that it's normal to make mistakes, I think you take it less personally. Sure. You are not a failure. You had a failure. Correct. But you are learning, and you're a great person. And you're not defined by that. That's right. And I think that is something that our entire society can mm-hmm. really benefit from. Before we started recording, we were talking about, I was sharing with you about this article from um, the Stanford professor who yeah. wrote um, a piece on how we parents have not set our children up to fail. And we both can agree on that. Um, in many cases, if you're going to a Stanford or upper echelon school. But there's no leeway there either. Right. And so, you know, playing football in high school may not be the end-all, be-all if you don't make it. Mm-hmm. But for some of these kids, education is the only thing that's going to catapult them into their future. But they still haven't learned how to fail yet. Right. So that football coach that did not put your child on the team really did your child a favor. Right. Right. In a very strange, odd way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you have to model that. It's okay to not make the team. Right. Or when you're having dinner at the table and your child says, oh, I, how was school? Oh, it was so easy today. Well, tell me what you struggled with. Nothing? Well, then you didn't really have that great of a day. You know, <laughs> so making it more normal to talk about what you're struggling with. Yes. Instead, can help with those types of situations where they're not shocked. We had a very, we used to, um, when they were in high school, we would have 
conversation at the dinner table and they had to tell us two things one thing that they could have improved on nice and then one thing that they did well Mm -hmm. that they were proud of themselves for and it could we always hoped it would be a socio-emotional thing that they were proud of right that they helped another child or they said something nice to another student right um Sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't, but <laughs> but it was always really crucial for them to say, I didn't get that math problem, mm-hmm. and I need help. Yes. And who at the table is going to help? Right. Or who am I going to call to help? And yeah. so I do think that is something that we parents really have to focus on. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is even if they're academically strong students, to still be able to say, let's find how we can stretch this a little further for you absolutely absolutely put you in your put you out of your comfort zone right so jessica thank you so much for joining me yes thank you for having me we are so excited to see how this new program goes for you please keep us posted and please come back and share an update so that we can hopefully get other school districts to to follow suit i will definitely Congratulations and thank you. Thank you for joining us at EDU Me. We hope you have gained some insight on how important the home life is to the success of a student in school. If you would like to hear this podcast again, please visit us at our website at www.edu-me.net and there you will find more information on this podcast. Until then, we are working together to educate them better.